0: Welcome to Amusement Sparks. I'm your host, Andrew Spawn, and our guest today is someone I know from Ball State University. When we met, he was the president of the Japanese Animation Society, so he's one of those kind of people. Uh, and so am I, quite frankly. But um, my guest is Tyler Trosper. Will you say hi, Tyler? Hi. Good job. Perfect. <laughs> the main reason why I reached out to Tyler to be a guest on this show is I remember his work with the Japanese animation society back in the day in college. Um, and you know, people who generally organize student organizations are really passionate about their, their topic. Um, and I know he's a passionate guy about a lot of different topics and one of them, which I tend to see on your Instagram all the time, uh, relates to a video game that I had, uh, as a probably middle schooler, maybe an early high schooler, Um, called Zeno Saga, and it was really an interesting video game. I don't know why I bought it. I just liked the cover art, but I had never heard of it before, which is how I bought a lot of my favorite albums in, like, uh, video games of my life. Is like, I have no clue what this is, but I'm buying it. And I made some amazing discoveries in my life doing that. Like, I kind of missed that those days, because now I have to, like, read 10 reviews before I buy anything. What's your history with the Zeno series? Oh, gosh.
1: Um, (laughs) Well, I think it was back in middle school. I saw the review, actually, to Zeno's Episode 1 in um, official PlayStation magazine, which is no more. Um, So I was like, oh, this will kill Sometimes, And Zeno's Saga became my favorite
0: video game series of all time. It's got some interesting origins. Like, it's not directly a sequel to Gears, but it's connected and made by a lot of the same people. And then it's also not... Directly connected to the Xenoblade Chronicles, which I think is kind of cool. It gives them a lot of freedom. You know, if you're making Mega Man 11, it has to be kind of like the previous Mega Man games. Whereas if you get to kind of do slight spin offs and it's kind of connected loosely, I think that gives a lot more freedom to the creators. Yeah, exactly. So the first game in the series was Xenogears, which was created by Squaresoft, which was a... I mean, they're still around. They produce a lot of role-playing games, RPGs, especially um, ones in the genre called Japanese RPGs or JRPGs, and they're very famous for these games, like the Final Fantasy series. Um, most of their games are really cool, and they really help to popularize the, the JRPG genre from its early days all the way up till today um and i guess that the the creator of this series tetsuya takahashi is that right yeah that's right uh-huh i guess he was coming up with like a script for the they were like proposing scripts for final fantasy 7 and he had proposed one that was like really dark and very kind of uh, Zeno series ish, and they're like, eh, this maybe is not perfect for this game, but let's let you have your own game because it's still a really cool story. And I don't know if that was the story for Zeno Gears, but you know, it inspired him to like, hey, I get my own game. Like now, I get to really let my my creativity flow on this one, and it's kind of cool that like, instead of saying like, no, this you aren't right for this project, they're like, yeah, but here's a project you can do. You know, like, why don't you do your own thing because this story is really cool. It just doesn't really fit what we were looking for so it's kind of a cool origin for the series like they they empowered him and that was a great great success um and one of the other really important key people for for this whole series really is actually tetsuya takahashi's wife which is kind of interesting i don't know if many like uh you know married video game creator teams wow i had her name up but i scrolled away from it
1: No, it's okay. It's uh, Sorya Saga. Or, well, that's her her pen name. Uh, I
0: believe her real name is, like, Kauri Tanaka or something like that. That's literally it. Nice job. But it's really cool that they, they, you know, they work for the same company and they, like, work on these these games that are so unique. It's, like, kind of their, like, combined vision, which is really interesting. So when we're approaching this as a theme park, like we just said, they're not all directly connected. Um, Even within the same series, like the Xenoblade series, none of them are direct sequels to each other, which is kind of interesting. So for making them into a theme park, we get to kind of pick and choose what we want to out of these three connected series. At least that's the way I think we should approach this, because it gives us a lot of freedom. Just like the creators of the series, they get to kind of pull from what they liked from their previous works... And, you know, maybe focus on what their favorite things were or what they wanted to explore more. And we get to kind of do the same type of thing right here. It's exciting. Wait, that's kind of a daunting task. <laughs> it is a be. daunting task. You're right. There's so much to put into these. But, yeah, I mean, as you said,
1: Xenogears um, and xenosaga are probably, like, the most related, like, aesthetically. Because Xenogears started off as a planned six-part epic, but it got cut short to just Xenogears Episode five. Which is weird that they went with that, but
0: yeah, it's it's almost like Star Wars. You know how how it was just called Star Wars at first, and then eventually it starts saying Star Wars Episode Four, and you're like, wait a minute, this is the first one. How's it? Which is kind of cool because it immediately makes the audience wonder what came before. You know, like if it was just called Star Wars all the way through, there might not have ever been a prequel trilogy. But just putting in that little thing that says Episode Four, now it's like, well, where's one, two, and three? I need them. I gotta have them. So that was kind of cool that their first game is revealed to be, you know, the fifth chapter. And they never really went back and made the first four, did they? Or there, Is that covered?
1: They um, released, a um, like, an art book called Xenogears Perfect Works that kind of, like, like vague details about what the series overall was going to be like. But Xenogears um, is, like, the only one from that series. Um, and then Xenosaga, well, because the team that made Xenogears left Square... Um, and established Monolith Soft and Monolith first game was Xeno Saga which was yet another six-part planned saga just like Xenogears um, and it has several connections that aren't like direct like there's several characters motifs that are very similar to Zeno gears but they've obviously change some things. Otherwise, I don't know, Square Soft might sue or something like that.
0: But Yeah, it's kind of interesting. The, the creators left their their kind of home company, SquareSoft, that created the first game, spun off into their own company. And I believe were all three of the Xenosaga games created with Namco? Yes, yes. And then since then, for the Xenoblade series, they've kind of started working with Nintendo. So it's kind of like... They keep moving from one shelter to another shelter, but making stuff that are, that's sort of in the same vein or has very similar motifs, like you said. Exactly. Xenosaga started off, like, sales-wise, it started off really good, but near Episode
1: 3, it went downhill. So then that's when Nintendo bought majority share of Monolith Soft, and then they started the Xenoblade series, which, incidentally, when it, Xenoblade was first announced, it was called Monado, Beginning of the World, so it wasn't it didn't start as a Zeno game, but it just kind of became part of that.
0: Yeah, and I guess that was kind of a almost like ceremonial kind of thing from what I've read that, that you know, they were trying to do a fresh start. Like, hey, let's quit using Zeno at the beginning of all of our games. Like, it's almost like a, a crutch or something. Like, that's all we're going to be known for. But uh, then Nintendo said, you know, we should really kind of tie this in with your previous works because it's, you know, it's awesome and it fits in with the themes of these. So, I don't know. I think that's kind of cool that a company... Uh, respects the work so much that they're like you know what it's okay if it's kind of connected to something made by another company we don't need to make this our own original thing so in a way i think it's kind of cool that that the like auteurship the the uh creativity on its own created by this this team uh has transcended the like corporate structure of working for different companies it's been able to continue and kind of flow freely between there exactly yeah it's pretty cool Three of these series, from my perspective of not being someone who's played every single game, but they all have uh, really cool weaponry <laughs> in space, um, some kind of Japanese RPG based combat of some sort. Um, and then a lot of times there's really cool giant uh, robots, which is something I'm always attracted to. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, they're super cool. And and they've been used to varying degrees of success throughout the series, as far as like integrating them into combat and stuff. But from an aesthetic perspective, there's gonna be giant robots, giant swords, and cool looking weapons, and they're all sci-fi, would you say? Although they kind of all have r- sort of references to to fantasy, the fantasy genre as well. Yeah, because I think um, well, Xenoblade especially, but even and Xenogears as well.
1: It... Tends to blend both fantasy and sci-fi together, mm-hmm. um, and Xenosaga is just kind of its own sci-fi thing in the yeah,
0: middle. yeah. <laughs> that's true. I, I for me, like when it's purely sci-fi, it feels very like sterile and very like, um, the Star Trek episodes when they stay on the ship the whole time. Like those are very sci-fi to me. And then like once mm. you start, uh, you know, discussing things on on specific planets and like you're more bound to planets and different species, it feels more fantasy in that at least to me that seems like where those things kind of start to to change a little bit
1: yeah and then that kind of reminded me because like with the like the second xenoblade games and like chronicles x it was kind of i mean it was more in in a sense more like the xenosaga series is like mostly sci-fi but it was like on an alien world and you were like discovering things and so, so it
0: almost kind of had a star trek vibe to mm-hmm. it in a way. yeah that makes sense and I'm not saying that, you know, Star Trek's horrible or anything, but I'm saying that's, that's uh, there's like kind of hard sci-fi versus like sci-fi and fantasy are kind of different things. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: The Xeno the series seems to have these really large um, kind of, almost religious philosophical discussions and uh, issues to to cover over the course of their stories. So they have super rich, very um, intellectual stories compared to a usual JRPG, which is just kind of like, this is the bad guy, let's go fight him. Um, this series really kind of like keeps you up at night a lot. You know, there's a lot of things to, to mull over and to research and to think about like, you know, God, like, what kind of game really explores the, the nature of God as heavily as the Xeno series? Like, I don't know anything else that's gone this deep into it and approached it from so many different angles. But there's so many interesting things about the creators of the universe. It's it's pretty fascinating. Exactly. And especially because um, at first,
1: like, the Xenoblade series didn't seem like it was, like, as deep with its uh, philosophical themes. But once you get into, like, the beef of the game, or any of those games, they actually are still quite heavy with their um, philosophical content. Like, I I just beat Xenoblade Chronicles 2 last night, oh my gosh. (laughs) Congratulations. How many hours? um, Well, I don't know if my Switch is lying to me or not, but it Uh says I've played 200 hours. Wow. But, um, yeah. A lot of that was me trying to uh, get
0: Cosmos in
1: the game, because she is... A character in the game.
0: Yeah. So, could you explain to us who Cosmos is? Ah, Cosmos. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, she's from uh, the Xenosaga series originally. Um, And, I mean, she's this android that's designed to destroy this alien life form known as the Gnosis. That no one can really touch within our dimension. So, she's been there for... Well, she was in all the Xenosaga games, but even after Xenosaga, she's kind of—I don't know—represented the series as a whole. Because even after that, she's been cameoed in several other video games, not including Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which just came out. But and she's also had like lots of different like figurines and stuff like that. So she kind of
0: keeps the spirit of the series alive even when the series is still pretty much dead (laughs) so she's like the mascot like the touchstone character for for most fans of the series pretty much yeah all right so when we start thinking about a theme park like it basically needs to be um, for the most part Confined to one physical location, you know, like this series takes place over like thousands of years and across galaxies and stuff. Like it's it's a pretty uh, grandiose kind of thing, which I'm sure that they have to. They're working with this, you know, at, at the Disney parks with how to incorporate Star Wars. When it's like this is yeah. like literally all kinds of different like galaxies and everything we have to incorporate into our existing pot like uh, plot of land. It's kind of kind of funny almost, but a lot of the series is you know on spaceships and then on various planets um i'm really intrigued by the xenoblade chronicles the first one is that the one where the whole like landmass is basically those two giant titans
1: yes they're yeah. basically
0: two giant dead gods that's so crazy so i've only i've played this game it looks amazing i really have been trying to track it down um Because I actually do want to play through the... Especially the Xenoblade series now. It looks awesome. But evidently, like, there are these two giant gods that were fighting on this, this planet that's all water. And then during the, like, final blow of this battle, they both, like, got frozen in time. And then life started to form living on top of them. So, like, a lot of the game takes place running around on top of these giant characters. It's so cool. These giant dead god things. It's crazy. I think that'd be amazing to try to replicate that as the the physical structure of a big portion of this park. It would just be crazy, like these huge, um, you know, icons. These huge. I don't even know what how to describe it because there's there's very few other like landmarks that are a living or formerly living creature. It's crazy. Yeah, I think it
1: definitely would make an interesting park design especially uh, even in the uh, Blade 2 because it also takes place on like the multiple uh, bodies of uh, titans uh, as well but yeah i think either were like either Zeno- those Xenoblades would make a great setup for a park Xenogears and Xenosaga, not so much
0: yeah but... those those two would be harder to wrangle in um, although we could kind of have you know a lot of the the, the kind of storylines that you'll see in these series revolve around, like, um, basically restarting the universe or kind of alternate dimension kind of stuff. I mean, it's it's sci-fi, so it's hard to avoid those very appealing, very, like, fascinating possibilities. So um, it'd be kind of cool if we do, you know, like, there's various dimensions. Like, there might be, like, a dimensional rift, and then that area represents Xenogears. Like, something like that, you know, they can kind of be split up and kind of quarantined so that everything can still be canon and still be like kosher. You know, like this part is only the, the Xenosagus part. It's not like super smash bros or something where we're just like taking toys from different areas and combining them together. It's like, well, here's this one. Here's this one. Here's this one. I don't know. Not, I mean, we're allowed to mix them. Of course, like you and I are the creators of this thing. <laughs> it's, it's totally fictional, but that might be kind of interesting keeping them totally separate or making a storyline of where you know these these kind of universes are colliding, and so the characters are kind of crossing over in, into one another. We could also just create a new, like the park could be like basically a fourth series in the Zeno series, where it doesn't have to directly follow the storyline, but kind of takes some of the motifs and some of the themes, and maybe has cameos of characters, but is in general a new a new thing, you know, maybe if we even go with the Xenoblade, like let's build this whole park on a, on a dead Titan, take that idea and kind of do, you know, a new, new version of that. So there's a lot of possibilities for like the foundation of this park. What, what are your thoughts on that? Which ones of those uh, light up your, your eyes the most? Well, cause I've
1: been thinking about it like um, with Xenoblade Two, Cause I mean, it's basically several, titans that are like circling around like a giant tree uh which is the world tree so i was thinking that would be an interesting design to think of for Mm -hmm. a park, because like there's a few parts in the games like the party members are discussing like oh what's the nearest titan to us oh it's this time of the year it's this titan's the closest one to us so i'm like i don't know how logistically this would work but what if like in the park you're on this Titan. It's like, okay, what what Titan's going to be closest
0: to us next, and we can go to that area of the park next. But wow, uh, I really love that idea that the way that you just described it. So it's it's almost like a small scale uh, solar system, right? Things are just kind of like revolving around it. Yeah, that'd be a fascinating setup, and and just the like world building that that immediately adds to the storyline. Exactly. You know, it's it's almost like if if your country was always revolving around, and so like sometimes. You could visit Spain really easily because it's, like, really close by. And then other times it's all the way across the planet. That's that's fascinating. So as far as doing that on a smaller scale at a theme park, I think that'd be really cool. Um, it does uh, logistically, you know, yeah, that's a little bit difficult, like, making huge vehicles that you can build attractions on and stuff. But I think, you know, it could be done. I'm sure someone's thinking about stuff like that. So, yeah, let's just, let's just go for it. I have a question. Is it, everything seemed to be kind of covered in fog, like it, it looked like it was in Xenoblade 1? The spaces in between
1: the Titans are covered with a, uh, a cloud sea. It's basically, like, people can, like, swim in it, and there's, people dive into it, but it's basically clouds.
0: Okay. So we could replicate that with, uh, you know, fog, and um, just tell the people not to dive into it, because they'll get crushed in the machinery. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Or maybe, you know, we'll we'll cover everything in safety nets. So if they fall off the side, they'll be okay. So that's a really cool idea. We can have different shapes of of Titans revolving around the park. And and different ones can have kind of different cultures on them, as I imagine they are in the game, right? Are are they kind of segregated a little bit by what races live on each one and that kind of thing?
1: I mean, yeah, actually quite a bit. Like there's different cultures for uh, each Titan and there's like different um, like weather effects based on the titan they're on because um, there's this uh older titan that's just uses a lot of energy so it's really hot there and then there's like a, a titan that's like really cold so it's like snowy there that's
0: cool i like that a lot and then <laughs> that does allow you to do the whole thing that like every video game has to have where you can have a lava level and a water level and <laughs> there you go we've got it built into the story um that's really cool, and I think, isn't one of the main goals of the the game to reach the tree up in the center, like that's one of your objectives?
1: Yeah, they're trying to get to the World Tree and go into Elysium, uh, which is this promised land, or paradise place, at the top of the tree.
0: You know, if you want to go to this theme park and experience everything that it has to offer, you basically want to go to all the Titans. And if you schedule it right, you'll be able to find a time when these Titans are really close together and traveling between one to the other, is really easy. You know, maybe we even park them there next to each other for, for an hour or something and let people freely pass between them. And then basically you're trying to plan your day around a way to get to the world tree in the center. That that sounds pretty cool. And that way you could get to all the attractions that the park has to offer.
2: Yeah, that
1: would be cool to give a like a, a goal, um, an overall goal to I mean if you want to follow that goal you, you just don't have to, but kinda of like kinda of like in the Xenoblade games, like there's so many side quests you can
0: follow the mango if you want to or you can just go around and aside stuff totally it's basically the question of you know how many days do you have to experience this park like you can try to just do the whole thing like marathon it like you have to hit every titan and get the world tree and head all the way back out before the park closes or if you're going for a week you know you could spend take your time and like enjoy the titans that you really find appealing and spend your time there one of the concepts that's really like grabbed me and like made me really want to get into the Xenoblade series is like the blades themselves. Could you describe for the audience more about like mm. what, how the blades, what those are and how they work?
1: Okay. Um, cause the blades are basically these support characters that for your party members, like, well, cause it's your party members are called drivers and then they are, are equipped various blades and these blades um, you basically have to collect these crystals in, uh, in order to like unlock them and it unlocks a character and then like the, depending on the like the character they'll give you a specific element like fire or water or and they also give you like specific uh weapon like a sword or an axe or something like that and they also have like some other like field related skills like lock picking or something like that but you have to basically acquire these support characters through collecting core crystals, and depending on your luck, most of the time you'll just kind of get random different ones. You'll you can't really choose which blades you get.
0: That that mechanism is so appealing to me. It sounds amazing. Like I wish I just I, I want to play that game. I'm like I was just gonna say I wish there was a video game of that, but that's the dumbest thing I've ever said. So I'm glad I didn't say it. Um, <laughs> but that is so. <laughs> Cool. So, basically, you you find a crystal, and it, it basically gives you, like, a new character and a new weapon at the same time. And there's a certain random element to it. So, I love the idea of, like, the park guests being the drivers, where they're basically the ones who can kind of absorb these crystals, like, unlock the blades. Like, that sounds so cool to me. And not everyone's going to have one. Like, you kind of have to, to earn your core crystal, and then once you do you get this kind of random... uh, You know, you randomly get rewarded with with a blade. You know, like a character who can, like, follow you around and support you and also a cool new weapon. So I think replicating that in the park as best possible would be amazing. You know, they could be foam weapons and maybe it's not something you get to keep. You know, it's just, like, you'll turn this back in when you're leaving. But that would be fascinating if we could figure out some kind of uh, technology, whether it's, like, you know, augmented reality or, like, holograms or whatever um, to give you, like, a blade, like, the, the companion to journey with you. And then also, you know, the physical weapon would be really cool as well. That's a lot easier to do, though. Yeah. be cool if those, like, they like, give you, like, some type
1: of, like, uh, AR card or something like that. So would you get these core crystals from, like, different attractions, or would it be, like, some type of...
0: It could be either an attraction or kind of a combination of things. Like, you know, maybe you have a... you meet a character and they offer you a side quest, which is... To go to this other Titan, find this attraction and complete it, and then come back. And then they're like, "Okay, well, you know, thank you. You did whatever storyline element to help me out. <laughs> Here's your reward: is this core crystal." Um, and yeah, that's cool. I like the idea of the of doing a card because I think theme parks in the future are going to start losing something once it gets totally virtual or totally digital. I think mm-hmm. um, you know having as much of this be physical as possible would be amazing. And just setting foot on one of these titans and like kind of feeling the whole thing move around would be fascinating. Like that's an experience you're not going to get elsewhere on this planet unless you're on like a, I don't know, an ice cap or something like it's it's a rare experience to feel like the ground beneath you starting to move around. And like that just, that whole system sounds really cool of of the the mechanics of the whole park moving, man, I'm getting excited. That's really cool. Okay, so Xenoblade 2, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, sorry, do they also have the the other race that's all, like, kind of robotic characters that you're fighting against? Because that was the main, like, threat in Xenoblade Chronicles 1, right?
1: Yeah, but uh, no, because um, there's, yeah,
0: there's not really any mechanical races
1: in Xenoblade Chronicles 2.
0: Yeah, the races are kind of interesting here. I, I love when, when JRPGs in particular, I feel like they do it really well, when they introduce, like, new races... Um, yeah, there's one that kind of looks like, um, I don't know, like a knockoff Pikachu Kirby kind of thing. <laughs> they're really cute little characters, with really long ears, almost like Klonoa.
1: Oh, the Nopon. Nopon. Yeah, Nopon. We can talk about the Nopon. Because they're actually, the Nopon are actually in all the, the Xenoblade games. Um, so, but yeah, they're, they're like basically the the mascot characters of the series. Are they a threat to your
0: cosmos, or they can <laughs> <No>. coexist? <laughs>
1: yeah, they can coexist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that um was one race that we could have um maybe as like a walk around character. Like I guess I'm just trying to think of like other like um uh, kind of walk around characters or characters you definitely want to have available as as like NPCs that you can interact with. What's the one uh, Riki? Yeah, because definitely
1: Riki or any Nopon. Um... Well, Riki or Tora, he's from the new one. I, I don't know if a lot of people liked the uh, Nopon character from Xenoblade X, so we might not want him. He right. was just He was just kind of annoying. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but then, I mean, there's also some uh, mascot characters from Xenogears and Xenosaga we could include as kind of like uh, Easter eggs or something. Yeah. Because um, there's uh, Choo Choo from Xenogears, was just basically a giant pink mouse. And then Xenosaga uh, had... Bunny, which Bunny was really weird mascot character. Why is that? Well, because Bunny, like, like from the front looks like a totally normal mascot character, but if you turn Bunny around, he has this like really evil, disturbing face on the back of his head. Oh man! So like, you only see it in like Xenosaga Episode One, and then after that, they put like this like latch or something on the back to kind of cover up. (laughs) I don't know if they're just trying to hide his secret or what, but it was, Bunny is just a really weird mascot.
0: That's awesome. I'm finding pictures of Bunny, but I don't see the back of of his head. Oh yeah. Oh, ew. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That is so strange. Is that like his true face? Like, is that, oh, I'm curious about the biology there.
1: Yeah, I can't remember if they were, like, two separate entities and one could speak and the other. I can't, I can't remember. I know there was an unlockable attack that you could do where you can summon Bunny and then he, like, turns around and shoots beams out of his eyes from the evil
0: face. Like. <laughs> and I just looked up Choo Choo as well. Choo Choo's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's
1: this weird scene in Xenogears uh, where, like, Choo Choo gets, like, crucified and that was just really... Whoa. Cool.
0: It's like, whoa, that that's religious symbolism is really It's interesting how how uh direct they can be sometimes in this series with the religious imagery, like actual like depictions of Jesus and stuff. And like um the time uh period, like instead of being uh B C or A D, in Zenosaga it's T C right, which is like transcends Christ or something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. Wow.
2: Christ, yeah. Which
0: that's really interesting. Like there's a ton of flavor you can get from from research, researching and thinking about religion and stuff. But I feel like it's so rare to see sci fi go straight for it. Like we are talking about Jesus Christ here, people. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. It's, yeah, something when there, there are like actual characters in the video game. Yeah, right? It's strange. Yeah. Definitely feels like Xenoblade's kinda of dialed back on that, but maybe they're more Kind of they're kind of a bit more subtle with their religious references now,
0: yeah, and that might be the Nintendo thing, like ever since like the eighties, Nintendo's been like, "Is that a cross Get that out of there? like <laughs> make that into like a plus shape like probably." probably. Um, all right, what other races do we want to include? Like, we need to, like, figure out a way of making animatronics or, you know, costumes that our, our employees can wear to, like, to walk around. Because the, the main race is Homs, right? They they look and act a lot like humans. Yeah. But technically they're not. What else do we need here? The High Entia? Is that how you say that? Yeah, High Entia. Yeah. Very human-like, and then has kind of, like, wings coming off the sides of their heads? Yeah, they say have wings on their heads. That's cool. And are they, like, decorative, or, like, can they actually fly with those? Uh, I think they're mostly
1: decorative.
0: Yeah, that's that's a strange race, but that's an easy, you know, like, you clock in for your shift and put your funny hat on, and you're good to go, like...
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be really
0: <laughs> easy to do. It's an easy prosthetic, for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, because then, uh... Yeah, because in the first Blade*, they didn't, like, have a ton of different races. Cause they had the Homs, the Hyentia, the Nopon, and um, whatever the creatures on the Mechonis were called.
0: Yeah. Um, is it just Mechon? Yeah, me- the Mechon. And those were just kind of robots, right? They they kind of remind me of, of like, uh, the Heartless from, what is that game called? Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, Just kind yeah. of their, their motif and, like, the decoration on them is kind of kind of similar they're like black with this kind of ornate silver and blue and gold decorative Mm -hmm. things like the the mech designs are, are different like the they're really kind of creepy looking like they have a lot of like spindly legs and stuff but just the the textures on them are kind of heartless ish to me the two titans from xenoblade one of them is mostly populated with uh homs and the other one is mostly these mechons right like yeah, the, the yin and yang yeah. kind of thing.
1: Exactly, because yeah, because it's the uh, bionist, which is like the biological one, and then the mekanist for the like the mechanical one.
0: That again is very direct with the the naming scheme. You know, it's not like this one's an allusion to life, and then this one's an allusion <laughs> to robots. It's like, no, it's mekanist and bionist. Like, get it? It's it's robots and people. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> robots and life it's uh, they're pretty direct but i mean it's it still allows for a lot more thorough um delving into the philosophy behind those things when you can just like lay it on the table like we're going to be talking about life versus robots once that's just cut and dried stated you can move on from there and get into the more interesting philosophical uh story beats this is just like an interesting little like trivia bit that i encountered that i thought was really cool like I guess one of the first things that kind of sparked the idea for the whole Xenoblade series was uh, the creator like made these two like sculptures of the the Titans fighting, and then from that it was like, well, hey, let's tell a story about these these two characters, and that's just fascinating. Like, how cool is that? That was basically like one art piece that started the whole well, I guess the whole third series, the whole Xenoblade series.
1: Exactly. I mean, yeah, it was definitely an interesting way to, like, start something. I mean, and those games have really interesting settings, um, especially the first one. Um, just being, like, living on top of, a, basically, the god, which is really interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: And I, I hope that we can kind of translate that into the park. I think that would be so fascinating if we could find a way to make it look... Like that, like, instead of, I mean, it is basically just, like, some big robots moving around a circle. But making it try to try to capture the essence of the Titans in, in their scale and their design as best as possible would be so cool. Like, it could be a really fascinating and just visually beautiful park for even people who aren't interested in this series particularly. Like, it's just a breathtaking series. Some of the design elements are, like... Holy crap, that is really interesting looking and really beautiful. Um regardless of the storyline, it's it's some really interesting design work that's gone on here. Yeah, exactly. What are some of your favorite things to like look at from this series? Like what are some of your favorite visual elements that you want to make sure we get into the park? So
1: for like uh Xenoblade 2, like several of the Titans um depending on where you are, you can actually see like w- like the head of the Titan. So if we could see like a large animatronic titan head or something in the distance or moving around it make it feel like it was more of a
0: living creature i guess we don't have to necessarily build the full body you know it's almost like like puppetry or whatever you really only need to show the parts that the audience are going to see but but adding more details yeah like moving parts and stuff like you could kind of see things moving behind the the fog or the smoke or whatever we're going to have to kind of obscure the bottom of this that'd be awesome that's a great idea
1: one of my favorite places in like the first game is called uh, the Satoral Marsh. I, I don't know how the, you would implement that into like a, a park per se, because mm-hmm. it's just like the the beauty of that place is just like it when it gets nighttime and it's just like there's mist all around. And it has this really tranquil music and the, the trees are like have, are glowing and it's just. Yeah, it's just really nice. Um, like, visually, and just, it's a very serene place, which I don't know if something like that would
0: fit within a park or not. I think so. I think you need to have kind of, like, those, those like, places where you can go to just kind of rest and, like, you know, maybe get some food or whatever. That that sounds like a beautiful backdrop for, for pretty much anything. That's mm-hmm. really cool. And I guess um, in the Xenoblade series, like, There is, like, a a realistic, like, day-night cycle, like, you know, the sun goes up, sun goes down kind of stuff. So it'd be kind of cool if if at nighttime, I guess in the games, like, the monsters get a little bit harder, so, like, things get a little bit scarier at night, which is something I'd really appreciate about playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's like, you do, like, want to follow your kind of human instincts of, like, going somewhere safe or going by a fire at nighttime. You don't want to be out in the wild. So... If we do add some kind of, like, combat element to this, it'd be kind of cool if, you know, the really hardcore players want to go out at night to, to fight these tougher monsters. And then, you know, maybe the rest of us just kind of want to go be safe somewhere, um, just take a look at these, like, these beautiful natural locales and find somewhere safe with other humans where you can just kind of relax instead of having to be on guard all the time. One of my other favorite visual elements is the Monado, like the, the weapon from Xenoblade Chronicles 1. Mm-hmm. It looks so cool. Could you give us a rundown of, of how that weapon works?
2: The uh,
1: Monado uh, basically has, like, different modes to it. Um, because, well, because in the beginning of the game, the Mechonis can't be attacked because everyone's weapons don't work. But with the, the Monado... You basically can, uh, like, weaken that mech on and be able to attack them. But there's also... Um, you can, like, up your speed or up your strength. It, like, has different modes to the Monado. So it's a sword that kind of has a lot, tons of different abilities to it.
0: Yeah, and it, it seems like it kind of, like, transforms a little bit. And, like, it, it lights up different colors depending on what, like, mode it's in. It's mm-hmm. so cool looking. And I, I didn't really realize this before. Like, I've had... um smash bros for wii u for like a long time i never knew what game shulk was from until researching for this episode and then like i watched some gameplay footage of of his weapon and like Mm -hmm. the way it changes i was like i literally never noticed that before it is so cool that that in super smash bros like his weapon actually goes through these different changes it's pretty cool yeah that was a really nice touch that they added yeah uh, for him shulk in that game so yeah it's just it's just a really iconic looking weapon it's really beautiful
1: yeah, and I've seen some people, like, recreate it in, like, cosplay, and it's like, wow, you guys are really, really talented to make something like
2: that.
0: No kidding. And so I think we should put our best designers on on the weaponry that, um, you know, any of our, our drivers who actually get, like, a core crystal can get. Like, we want those weapons to be, like, really top-notch, like, easy to carry, but also looking super cool and adding as many little technological details as possible. Like, if it lights up different colors, like... I'm sold. That's so cool. Do we want to have, like, combat in here? Like, do we want to have kind of like a, a, a LARPing or live-action role-playing kind of area where you can, like, fight some kind of monster? Or do we want to do that almost, like, digitally? Wow. I know I just asked you a question, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that question, like, evolved into an idea of... um. I, I've just been kind of, like, craving the, the like, mech flavor from... from Xeno Gears and from Xeno Saga like the giant robots are so cool. So this is just like an option we could choose from, but maybe there's kind of an area that's like it looks like a mech and like so you climb into it and then basically like you play a simulation like you're you're fighting monsters and stuff. So that might be an interesting way of keeping keeping the reality of the situation like if you want to fight go into that mech and then you'll take like a simulation where you go fly off somewhere and fight somebody. So that your hu you know your physical human body who is at a theme park isn't getting like beat up by robots like that's not what we want that seems dangerous, but yeah what are your thoughts on how we could represent combat in this theme park?
1: Yeah, I mean that sounds like a really good idea itself because um, I mean uh, Xenoblade X um, you could actually pilot giant robots in that. Oh, cool! Uh, which were really awesome, even though it took you like fifty hours to get them. <laughs>
0: Because I I love the idea of of an actual, you know, like, if I go to this theme park, be able to, like, carry around this really cool huge sword and, like, go fight some stuff. But I just don't know if the technology's there where we can have, like, you know, hard uh, VR characters that you can actually hit with a sword. Like, I think it'll either feel so artificial because it's just a, a hologram, so it's like, oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, or it'll be too dangerous because it's like an animatronic, you know, giant robot spider and it's actually going to crush you and kill you. Like... Neither one of those sounds that appealing to me. So maybe for right now we could could do it in a more simulated kind of um mini game kind of way. And then, you know, maybe in 20 years we can update the park with uh these uh, actual, you know, characters and monsters and stuff that you can fight against.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
0: I think that's maybe where the biggest disconnect between playing the game and visiting the park is going to be is the combat. Yeah. Which kind of stinks. It's kind of sad. Um although I, I don't know it's. I'm tempted to keep trying and keep, like, smashing my head against this because a lot of the, the combat from the Xenoblade series, is, it's kind of like playing a an MMO, like a massively multiplayer online game, where you kind of run around and, like, choose who you're going to fight, but but a lot of the, the actual action isn't necessarily physical. It, it seems, like, so, like, fantastical and, like, larger than life where it could be done really in a fascinating way using vr like if you have a vr headset on you swing the sword and like it shoots out you know all the cool like magical energy everywhere um or you can launch all the projectiles where the actual human's not in danger of getting smashed by something like it can all be kind of going on around you and still be immersive
1: yeah because the xenoblade combats i mean you're you're kind of it's pretty passive besides like doing your like special attacks because there's auto
0: attacks involved yeah, so maybe that might be a a way of doing it is, is have it in VR where, you you know, you put your headset on, you have your weapon, and then depending on, I don't know if it's going to be, like, hand gestures-based or maybe you have different buttons you can push to control the different abilities. Like, that might be pretty cool, actually. And I'm sure that there's some cool VR stuff that's, that's like, sword-based combat that we could kind of, you know, use the engine from that and kind of put the, the Zeno skin on top of it. Especially if you have a character who uses projectile weapons. Like, that's definitely something that you could replicate in VR very well, I think. Just the the swords. I want to touch the swords. I want to use the swords. (laughs) (laughs) They're so cool looking. Oh, man. So we've got a bunch of titans circling around the world tree in the center of the park. And each character each park guest represents a driver who's trying to get a hold of a blade to help with some kind of storyline that we'll tell here. Do you have any ideas of of what we could do to kind of tell this story that generally takes what'd you say, two hundred (laughs) hours? Well, well, that's if you try to do like a lot of the side quests and try Mm -hmm. to get like
1: specific blades.
0: Yeah, because I'm just, I'm you know, if we've got like a big crowd, you know, there's like a thousand people outside the gates when we open, we need to tell each of them the story before, you know, within half an hour, you know, it's got to be pretty yeah. quick. Um, and we can tell little pieces of it, like, um, diegetically, like as they're going through the park and they are on this Titan, they're going to hear a lot of people talking about that Titan or its history or what the big threat of the day is. Um so, but I do think we need to kind of introduce the character to the world that they're in and why they need to try to get to the World Tree. So I'm just wondering if you have any ideas about how, how we could do something like that.
1: Well, in Xenoblade 2, the main character is trying to get to the World Tree because he gets this special blade called the Aegis, which is the main girl, Pyra, and she needs to get to the to World Tree.
0: So, so the goal is to transport the blade to the World Tree? Yeah. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and
1: it's kind of a race against, like, this rival group that is trying to also get to the world tree and possibly kill all of humanity.
0: Wow. So, so, so I mean, that right there just streamlined the storyline so much. And I don't want to, like, chop out any parts of the story. Like, I respect every part of the story. But as far as, like, streamlining it as much as possible so that people can take their the part they need to know, and then if they want to learn more, they can do that at their own pace... Like those people who really just need a quick little shot of story, it can be basically you know this this blade needs to get to that world tree. and if you're not interested in the storyline, you can totally ignore that. but if you are, that will give you you know your your entry point into all the quests you're going to come across and all the side quests and and the idea of that you need to go find these a core crystal so that you can get this this blade. I think that's kind of an interesting storyline. And so, in in the actual game, is it that just those specific blades, like you know the the good guys one and the bad guys one, those blades just need to get to the the world tree, or is it um, just any blade needs to get there? Um, it's
1: mostly just the these special uh, blades because mm-hmm. they're uh, there's the because they're called the aegis, but there's a kind of a good one and there's a bad one. Um so it's kind of a, a, like a race between the two different groups to get to the World Tree, the top of the World Tree. Yeah, Elysium.
0: So that that could be kind of a cool mechanism if if we want to make the the whole park take place in the same story. Um you know how the the core crystals like when you get one it it gives you kind of a random blade. Maybe one park guest per day will get the good aegis and one park guest per day will get the bad aegis. And they have to try to take it to the the top of the world tree in which everyone gets there first affects how the storyline ends for that day. I, mean, I know that's kind of like melting down this, this huge story into like a sporting event, <laughs> but I mean, there are similar things there. You know, we need, we have this thing, we need to take it over there before they get their thing over there. Yeah. So well, I guess it would be kind of disappointing if like, it's a, like,
1: Say three hundred people get into the park and only like one person is.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And honestly, the the chosen one probably wouldn't have that much fun either because now they have to like just you know, beeline over there. And there's, I'm sure that they would run across people, like other park guests, are just like, no, you got to go. Like this, this isn't joking. Like this storyline is bigger than just you. Like I know you're the chosen one for the day or whatever, but we want to win, so you have to go do this we could find a way of kind of measuring a park guest's interest in the storyline in the series and only those who are like yes I really want to play this for real they are the only ones who are the in the pool in the running for finding that rare blade I like that a lot maybe it's even maybe it's people who have been to the park before like you have to have been a park guest before um you have to have like filled out this survey and then we know that you're a pretty diehard fan of this this park and so now you have a small percent chance every day you come here of of being the, the chosen one.
1: Also what we we could do is put, maybe not everyone starts off in the same Titan and there's since there's different Titans mm-hmm. depending on uh, like there could be like multiple like two uh, good Aegis and bad Aegis on one Titan
0: and then another on the other Titan yeah. so we'll, so forth. That's cool. And and I had been thinking about, about structuring the, the Titans in the rotation and unfortunately I haven't actually seen this from the game, but I was thinking of it as being relatively linear. Like, there's one Titan that's at the outer wall of the park and then one that's, you know, it's like basically like a race car track or a, um, no, no. something like that. But if we have them more elliptical where they kind of like come and go and like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe each Titan goes by the kind of like entrance to the park once or twice per day that makes a much more interesting and dynamic park experience because if you get there at 9 a.m this titan is right where you can walk onto it whereas you know at 11 a.m there's a different one you can walk right onto so it immediately starts your experience off totally differently because you start on a totally different part of the planet of the the storyline
2: yeah
0: that's very interesting yeah and then maybe every hour, you know, you could have a new per- a new like chosen one. That's awesome. All right. That that's developing. I like it. Um the the world tree, is that a heavily populated place? Going into details would be like massive spoiler. <laughs> oh shoot. Okay, okay. So, um should we limit that experience to only the chosen one and their their party? or can you just go to the 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 world tree if you want to?
1: I don't know about that cuz if if anybody can just go whenever they wanted to that would just kind of it takes away the specialness, right?
0: Yeah, it just takes away
1: the 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 quest.
0: Yeah. Or maybe there's like a part of it that they can go to, you know, maybe there's an area where you can go to say that you went to the the world tree and then there's an area where you have to be on this this special quest in order to get through and go to the top of the tree. Because, yeah, and and that's a difficult thing as well with, like, spoilers and stuff. Like, a theme park isn't like a video game where you have to sink so many hours into it in order to get everything out of it. Like, I don't know. So we don't want to, like, ruin the story for people, which I think could totally happen. Like, there are very few theme parks I've been to where there are secrets I don't know about in the story. <laughs> you know, they're usually pretty pretty straightforward. But this is a theme park that could have spoilers. You know, like, that's kind of rough. Yeah, that is. Uh, uh, I don't know. And if we do, I mean, we this is like a kind of an original story. We could change it. So, you know, maybe it's not the exact same tree of life. Like, this is a different universe. This is after Xenoblade Chronicles 2, uh, where the world has, you know, the universe has restarted again since then. And this just kind of is a similar similar world.
1: Or we could have, like, the Bionis or the Mechonis in the center
0: or something yeah. like that. Maybe let's just change it, you know, like not have the, the world tree in the middle.
1: Okay. I'm totally.
0: And it doesn't necessarily have to be Bionis and Mechanis, It can be kind of a similar, similar beings, so, you know, it's another kind of Titan or maybe it's just a really big Titan in the middle, like a a, a new one. What else were you hoping to include here? Are there certain attractions you want to talk about, or certain locations, characters, anything like that that you want to make sure makes it in? Well, if we were
1: like trying to like tie it into any of the other overarching series, I feel like um, I was thinking like a dining area. Area could be like the uh, like uh, in Zeno's Episode One. There's the the Elsa like their uh, dining area is pretty well iconic for that series, but. That would be something if, like, we had a dining area. It could be, like, the Elsa bar from so 1 or, or from the Xenosara series.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. And is that on a ship? Like, where is that located? Yeah, so that would be the thing because it is on a ship. Well, I think that we could include ships. You know, if we have this, like, this cloud sea, it'd be kind of cool if, if every once in a while, like, a, a spaceship just kind of appears. Like... Um, and it could be, you know, through a black hole or a rift in the dimensions, or you know, whatever. Um, like these, these other characters and other ships could make appearances from the other games, which would be kind of cool. And maybe that one's just always there, you know. Like this is this is a whole new whole new universe. It's not directly tied into any of the other series, so we can reference whatever we want to. True. So yeah, maybe somewhere. Near the middle of the park there's just this this ship that's always there, and there's like you know there's dining areas in there and stuff like that,
1: yeah, and then, like for um another ship um um in Denazar, there was the Kukai Foundation, which was like a just a city floating in the sky almost floating through space um like well like a space station or something like that, but there was like just of like uh like shopping areas and stuff like that, so uh, we need those that sounds awesome Yeah,
0: I'm not certain yeah. how that
1: would work out exactly but
0: yeah we could say that it's it's crash landed on this planet and it's floating in the cloud sea yeah there you go yeah. <laughs> or maybe it landed on a, the back of a titan so there was this great civilization living on the back of this titan and it got totally smashed by this fallen space station and that was just a space station with a shopping mall and we can go over there that's a little grim. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's messed up. And maybe, you know, there's like uh, fountains and sculptures in there of the, the civilization that used to live on that Titan but got totally decimated by this accident. Wow, that's brutal. Um, what about technology? Are there any certain, like, pieces of technology that the characters of these games interact with that would be helpful for us? Because like, we probably don't want to just have, like, regular TV screens filling people in with a story. Like we want it to be a little bit more diegetic or feel like it's within the world. You know what I mean? Is there any kind of like specific pieces of technology that could be useful in our storytelling?
1: Well in Xenosaga, basically had the UMN, which is basically the internet. But um Xion in episode one could get like various emails um throughout the game. But the the thing was depending on like what her location was she would also get specific emails in those specific locations, so maybe we could tie that in somehow.
0: That's cool. And is this a like a computer terminal that she goes to, or is it something that she carries with her?
1: Um, It's it's something she carried with her, because I, I don't know if it exactly
0: was, I don't think it was her phone, but it might have like mm-hmm. some type of tablet or something of that sort. Or it could just be an app that people get for their phone, and then depending on what location of the park, like... Which titan they're on it gives them certain notifications about whatever but from within the theme of the park are there certain elements of of these universes that you feel are underrepresented in what we've talked about so far And again, it's, we're taking, I mean, honestly, probably like a thousand hours of content and making it into a one day theme park. Like we're going to do some injustices here just by the nature of the, the prompt. But I don't know if we, if we're doing broad strokes, what else do you think we need to include? I can't think of
1: anything right now.
0: Cool. I'm, I'm. As, I mean, basically, the main thing I really, really, really wanted to have was something with Titans, because I was fascinated by those, like, landforms, and then also the whole blade and core crystal concept, which I feel like we got pretty pretty well. Like, a lot of the kind of things that we've done on this show in past episodes, we can definitely do here again, where there's, you know, really immersive storytelling and, like, really nice little details and rewards for paying attention to those details, You know, like, the kind of, like, collect-a-thon type of things. You know, if you collect all of these little widgets throughout the park, then you can get... Trade those in for a certain, like, rare core crystal or something like that, which would be kind of cool. Um, It also might be kind of neat to take the sort of modern arcade technology that kind of follows you along, almost like a save file, where, you know, maybe you're leaving the park, you have to hand over all of your weaponry, and they, they give you a little card that keeps track of your character's progress... You know, like, what side quests you've completed, what blades you already have. And if you've leveled up through the combat, it has all that information. So then when you come back, you get to just resume right with that. You have the same weaponry and stuff like that, which would be be pretty sweet. Maybe give you a few core crystals on your way out so it entices you to come back. That is a good technique. There you go. I love that. And, And the whole, like, kind of random element of the core crystals is a really interesting thing I think people would get into. It's like collecting, you know, blind boxed toys or something. Like, I know this really cool ones out there. It's only a 1% chance of getting it, but I really need it, you know. What should we call this part? The series has always had Zeno as the first four letters. And everything else has changed. So Yeah,
1: it seems like it's a I mean it's mostly Xenoblade, but it's kind of a hodgepodge.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's almost completely Xenoblade, really. Yeah. I feel like our main audience is people who already love this series, but I also feel like there's there are things that are endlessly appealing about this, even if you don't know anything about the story of the the games. Yeah. Just the visuals of the place are amazing, you know, and like the storytelling mm-hmm. is really cool world of xenoblade might make sense yeah world of xenoblade would probably work best well i think this sounds like an awesome park i would super super love to go here and tyler the audience loves you is there a place they can go online to learn more about you
2: I mean, I
1: have a Twitter account at Cosmos Chaos.
0: Cosmos Chaos, huh? So
1: you really do like Cosmos. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean,
0: as you can tell, I, I'm
1: a huge Xenosaga fan. is my life. And I write articles for Operation Rainfall, like both news and uh, reviews for video games and stuff.
0: I did not know that. That's really cool. I came across that, like that name came up several times in my research. Operation Rainfall. What, what is that exactly?
1: It uh, started out as a uh, kind of a fan campaign to actually get Xenoblade Chronicles, the original game, uh, released in the West, because um, originally um, the game was announced, and then it came out into Japan, and there wasn't any like news about it coming westward, so a lot of people got kind of riled up, and uh, the Operation Rainfall was formed. It was kind of like there was like an RPG drought on the Wii, Uh, like the the Nintendo Wii. So this was our operation to bring a a rainfall of RPGs to the Wii. That's really cool.
0: I like that a lot.
1: I've only been writing for them for about a year, um, so it's become like a source of information now. More of like a, a news site for video games and anime and reviews now.
0: Cool. I like how this came together. Yeah, me too. It's it's a hard one because there's so much, so much content to put into this. Thank you very much for being on Amusement Sparks. That was super fun.
2: All right,
1: yeah, it was really fun. Thank you for having me. Sure. Appreciate it. No problemo.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Amusement Sparks. I've got a couple more five-star reviews from iTunes to read to you. Thank you so much for these reviews. They do mean a lot and make a big difference. This review is entitled Fun by Lelong2186. It says, a unique podcast concept that inspires creative conversation, which is definitely something I'm going for as, you know, the creator of the podcast. I love inspiring creative conversation. Like, that's part of the reason why I do the show. It's super fun. So I'm glad that a listener picked up on that. That's awesome. This review is entitled Unique Idea, By Sir Jung, it says, This is a super fun podcast that's unique in its idea and execution. It's not just a mindless ramble, but instead goes into a lot of information for the background topic chosen for the episode. Give this one a try. So, hey, listen to Sir Jung. Uh, (laughs) I mean, obviously you already did, but hey, uh, maybe send this to a friend or a family member or somebody. Cool. (laughs) Okay, last one, last one. Uh, This review is entitled, OMG, Super Original! It says, uh, can't believe a podcast like this exists. Every show, in amusement park is designed after a popular IP. That's crazy, and I love it. Thanks, guys. And that review is from R2Dipu. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for these reviews. Leaving a review is super helpful. Also, joining the conversation on social media is amazing as well. Um, you can look up Amusement Sparks on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a subreddit. Our next episode will be coming out February 19th, and that'll be our remodels and renovations from Season 3, which includes Nickelodeon, Mega Man, Capcom, Spider-Man, and Xenoblade. So, five awesome parks, and it's just going to be really cool to go back and revisit those. Stay tuned for a little bit of bonus content at the end of the episode. Have a great week, see ya!
1: Back before Zenosaga Episode 2 came out, there was a uh, a game that came up, out called Xenosaga Freaks. It was uh, yeah. it was basically a, it had a demo to Episode 2. It had a puzzle game, and there was like a visual novel that like took place in between Episode 1 and Episode 2. And I've been for the past few years, me and a few other people have been like working on a like a fan translation of that visual novel. Cool.
0: Sounds like a big undertaking. Like, fan translations are a ton of work. Yeah, they sure are. But that's a noble pursuit. I appreciate that. That's cool. Yes, thank
1: you. Well, I still kind of frequent this uh, really good uh, Zeno fan site uh, called ZenoUnderground.net, and there's a hyphen in between Zeno and Underground. Uh, One of my oldest uh, online friends, uh, she runs it. Um, I guess it's a good... uh, I don't know if I'm using the right word. Repository of like all Zeno information from Zeno Gears, Zeno Saga, uh, and Zeno Blade. I uh, worked with a few people from that website to work on that fan translation. Nice. That's that's a really nice community.
0: That is awesome, and I I love the like uh, fan translation community. Like that's so cool when a company has decided you know hey we're not gonna translate this into English it's you know too much work or it's not worth it we're not going to make our money back or nobody cares about this game in North America or whatever and then a ragtag team of rebels just does it anyway like hey we're just going to translate this whole thing which is a ton of work like you not only have to like go through you know word by word and translate it into English but you have to find like the message of each sentence that is spoken by any character in the whole game which in RPGs that can be like hundreds of different characters it's crazy there's so much text in a in an rpg you know it's like reading several novels if you talk to every single character it's just amazing like it's 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 crazy that people go to all of these lengths just to like preserve something that they love it's awesome and same thing with operation rainfall you know like instead of just pouting that your game's not the game you want is not coming out in your country like do something about it it's so cool i love that Very admirable work that these people are doing. It's pretty sweet.